Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you could find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor of the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Miles? Going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. This is you probably... Sound, you sound a little stuffy. Yep. This is sonically going to be maybe the worst podcast episode we've done, just in terms of the pure listenability. I'm coming down from a pretty bad sinus infection. You could probably hear that in my voice. We're also outside of our normal studio. We're doing some pretty exciting work in there. So we're recording in a different location. So things might sound a little different than normal, but we've got some pretty interesting news and stuff to cover this week. So hopefully that will make up for the uh, the stuffiness and the, the sounds of cars passing on this beautiful winter morning. Neither of us are wearing masks. We're all still safe and sound. That's true. I didn't have a dry cough or any fever or anything like that. So... Coming off of last week's discussion of the coronavirus, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I was a little scared when I got sick right after we recorded that, and I was like, oh no, the predictions were, <laughs> it's here. were incorrect. It's here, and it, it found me for some reason. <laughs> but I'm doing okay, and uh, like I said, we have some interesting stuff to talk about, so uh, hopefully this will be a, a fun episode despite the audio challenges that we have today. Uh, first up, we've got Gibraltar's highway construction starting again. This is kind Woo-hoo! of one of our favorite Speaking things to talk about. Yeah, last year we covered it uh, pretty heavily uh, as things got kind of rolling, but they're starting up again. For people who, who don't know, or maybe if you've forgotten about it over the winter miles, can you give us like a basic overview of what the highway construction is? And then maybe tell us what they accomplished last year and what the, the next phase of the project is this year. Um, in short, the highway construction in Fish Creek is just something everyone's going to hate for about three months. Is it going to be one of those like it's it's awful till it gets better kind of things? Like when Sister Bay was totally like remodeling, I feel like everyone was like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And then when it was done, people were like this is the best thing that's ever happened. Yeah. So glad we did this. But then they forget that they were nonstop posting about how ticked off they were for three years. Yeah. Do you think this is going to have a similar effect? Probably. Uh, this one is actually more detrimental to businesses and, and more convoluted to figure out because they are actually doing a complete hard closure. Sister Bay always had a lane open. Uh, it was a winding. You had to keep switching back and forth between lanes and around these cones, but they always had the highway open through town. In Gibraltar, because of the nature of the work they're doing up by Gibraltar School, they are putting in a pedestrian median island by the Door Community Auditorium and then also by the YMCA. So in the process of doing that, they're going to have to close completely. So it's going to start March 9th is when the construction begins again. And from that period until Memorial Day, you are not going to be able to go up that that hill by the Door Community Auditorium to go through Fish Creek. So you will you will have access to all of downtown Fish Creek, but it will sort of dead end. And then you'll to go north, you would have to go all the way back out of Fish Creek, south to Peninsula Players Road, take that over to County A, and then use County A to get back to the highway and get around Fish Creek. So it's a kind of convoluted way and that everything just goes in reverse if you're coming from the north to the south. So there's going to be quite a detour up until Memorial Day. 
Where does that detour uh, bring you back onto the highway exactly? So County A would hit the highway again at uh, the kind of by the Skyway Drive-In Theater. Okay, so there's there's kind of a big chunk of businesses in that kind of corridor that are not going to be closed off to you. It's just going to be a little bit more difficult to get to them, correct? Right. So you have Nelson's Hardware, the English Inn, Alexander's, the Fish Creek uh, Gas Station. All of those, you'll still be able to access them. None of them will be closed off. You just will have to access them from the north. Go down that roughly a mile if you were going to go all the way down to the gas station, but you'd have to turn around to go back and continue on your way. Right. And I also have to plug Fika is there as oh, well. Oh, Fika, I am sorry. That's my in-law's place. So uh, if you're craving cinnamon buns and that kind of stuff again this summer. Amazing cinnamon buns. Thank you. You're, you're going to have to go a little bit out of the way to get to it, but I think it's going to be one of those worth it destinations to get to. But Definitely. all of those, all those businesses down there, I, I know that you've talked to some of the owners up there who are kind of dreading this thing because it, it really does take you out of the way for those places. But uh, yeah, it's going to be tough on those businesses. So if you're sitting there trying to decide what you're going to do that day, uh, if you're where you're going to buy a hammer, like leave Amazon behind and go down to Fish Creek and support Nelson's or go down and support Alexander's or English Inn or some of those places over the that period, because it, it is going to be really tough. They're not going to get that drive by traffic. So every everything you can do in those moments, having been there as a business owner myself through a construction period, it it can really be devastating. Right. But the project is uh, is doing some really interesting things and some stuff that I think is really going to kind of reshape that area of the town. You mentioned kind of the pedestrian walkway that's supposed to be able to connect the school to like the YMCA in a way. Right. It's going to be much easier to get there. Not just the Y. uh, The finally downtown Fish Creek will be connected to uptown uptown Fish Creek. So at the top of the Fish Creek Hill, you think about this, you've got and I, I might have mentioned this on the podcast before. You've got the school, roughly 700 students and employees in that building every single day. The YMCA, at any given moment, 100 to 300 people maybe in the YMCA. Two hotels, top of the hill shops, Peninsula School of Art, all of those things at the top of that Fish Creek Hill. None of there's no sidewalk between those places and downtown Fish Creek. It's a it's a been a major oversight for a long time. So now all of those places people will be able to safely walk to without walking on the highway or having to get in a car. That's going to be a really nice connection. If you've ever gone to the auditorium for an event and maybe you had dinner across the street or parked at the top of the hill shops for some reason, now you actually have a crosswalk to to get over to the auditorium rather than taking your chances sprinting across lanes of traffic. It's going to be a much nicer area, I believe, if they if everything gets executed correctly. Right. And it's one of those things that I feel like Fish Creek really promotes their walkability, but that walkability doesn't really extend throughout the whole town. So when I think about Fish Creek proper, and I'm doing air quotes here, you can't see it, but know that they're there. I I feel like you really do only think of that kind of main loop downtown, if you can even separate them like that. You, you, You kind of think of top of the hill shops and beyond as something different. And that's unfortunate because, you know, it, it really adds to the atmosphere. And like you said, the majority of people at any given time are kind of concentrated up there. So to be able to connect them, much in the same way that Egg Harbor is proposing to connect right. all of their different areas. It's, segue on that, by the way. Egg Harbor just got word that they got a million-dollar grant to help them pay for the improvements to Church Street, which if you go back a couple episodes on this podcast, we had Ryan Heise in, Ryan Heise in and uh, he we went – in really great detail through all the things that they have planned. So I won't repeat all that, but they just got a million dollars to pay for that project, which is huge. Right. So there, there's been this trend of, of turning these villages that have had these kind of broken up 
plots and really connecting the whole thing to all of their different resources that I'm totally here for. Like if you can, if you can park in town and then walk the rest of the way and explore every nook and cranny of a place, I think that that's just going to be such a boon for the different communities up here. Right. And Gibraltar, also what's coming with this project is last summer they tore up a lot of the downtown area to put in storm sewer pipes and improve some of that under the surface infrastructure that people won't see. But this summer they're going when it's all said and done, you're going to see the more visible end game kind of improvements. So you're going to have a resurfaced highway. They are, are redoing the curb and gutter throughout the town, new sidewalks through most of the town. There are some plots that will not. And then they're, they're also doing new lighting. Uh, that comes in conjunction with some other projects, not specific to the highway project, but that will be wrapped into everything in that they're going to get the paving done on that long-term parking lot that was very controversial when it was done, but hopefully the paving and landscaping there will be done this summer. And some further improvements to the beach that I didn't even realize they were doing until I talked to Steve Soans, the town chair, the other day. You know, if you if you look at the Fish Creek Beach, they have that completed bathroom and that kind of raised area, but then it slopes down to right. the old level of the beach. Now they're going to bring that other level kind of up to the sidewalk grade so it won't be separated by that big hill. Then they're going to put in some kind of rock wall at the front of it before you would get to the sand beach. So there is some more work being done on that beach that he hopes will be done by July 4th. We'll see if Gibraltar can do that. I know in the past they've said by July 4th and that ended up being closer to September. But if it if it all works out and everything is planned well and organized and there's a meeting that I'll go to. We're recording this Thursday. It's uh, about one o'clock. We'll be going to that meeting in just a couple hours to find some final details on what those closures mean. But one last detail that I, I think I, I missed. Some people might ask, why wouldn't you just bypass the town by going to County F or go through the town and then take Spring Road to get around? But those, you will actually not be able to go up that that hill at all, that it's going to be completely closed through Memorial Day as of what they've said right now. So you'd have to go around. Then after Memorial Day, then it will, there will still be a hard closure, but county, it will be open to County F and to Spring Road. So the detour won't be quite as bad once you get to Memorial Day weekend. So we've posted a bunch of resources for people to look at at DoorCountyPulse.com and we'll continue to post resources so that not only can uh, locals and visitors keep abreast of of how this is all going down and where they need to go to detour, but also how you can access local local businesses. I know that the the county has also made resources available to local businesses in terms of like signage and stuff like that so that you can help bring people to your business during the closures and that kind of stuff. Uh, We will have all sorts of resources available at doorcountypulse.com so you can keep abreast of the, the closures and the highway project as it continues throughout the year. You know, we mentioned Egg Harbor earlier, and uh, we also received word this week that Villagios is moving to where Trio is in Egg Harbor. Right. Trio, a long-loved uh, restaurant in the village of Egg Harbor at the corner of, kind of on the north side of the village, closed down, I want to say, about five or six years ago, and then was up for sale. There was a restaurant called Serendipity yeah. in there for like one season. Yeah, I remember this. And then it's been empty since. So people, especially other business owners in the town, have said, like, we, we just need something to take over that trio space. That's finally happening. Kim Jensen has bought that building and will be moving Villagios from the Judville location into that trio space. The old Villagios location will become a catering kitchen for a lot of the stuff she has going on. And hopefully, she said, eventually maybe do some sort of Asian takeout uh, menu at that 
that Judville location. Yeah, we had talked to Kim for while we were filming uh, for our restaurant videos project that we did, and we started to kind of release those every week at DoorCountyPulse.com. Uh, we sat down and we did 50 restaurant videos last summer. I've talked about it on the podcast a couple of times now, but we talked to her about her plans and this is something that's been brewing for a while. I feel like she really wanted to kind of focus her, her efforts and she's got village cafe and mojos, uh, all in that same area and pink bakery. Pink bakery. Yeah. All in a Harbor. So it, it, I think it makes sense for Villagios to move down there. Uh, and it's definitely uh, great to have another dining option in Egg Harbor. Like you had mentioned, like that's kind of the last piece of the puzzle that kind of fits into all the stuff that's going on down there is just more great dining options. Yeah, that's been a big missing tooth in the um, village for a while. So hopefully that transition goes smoothly. She said uh, she's hoping for a soft opening April 30th and open to the public by May 1st. They, she also did say she's planning on doing a little bit of construction work on the building too, um, putting a fireplace on the front, like highway facing side. That would be an indoor outdoor fire fireplace that would have some patio seating out in front, uh, which would really kind of pull the outside in into that space. It's it's always been kind of closed off right. to passersby. So that could be a really neat uh, addition to Egg Harbor as well. Did you ever go to Galileo's while it was open in Egg Harbor? Couple, yes. Yep. Yeah. I feel like that that's something that I miss. I didn't go there too often, but I really like Italian food. Like pasta and soup are my favorite things in the <laughs> world. So like having another pasta option so close to me, I think is going to be nice. <laughs> and, and I feel like maybe that's something that was that was missing after Galileo's moved out of the community. Well, there, you know, it's interesting. Italian food, one of the most popular foods in the world, but there's only a couple of like, true Italian restaurants in Northern Door and really all of Door County. You have Del Santos, you have uh, Pasta Vino, you have Villaggio's that really focus and, and put the, stake their claim on being Italian. Right. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm missing anybody, but those are the ones that I, I think of off the top of my head. Well, Miles, why don't we take a break? And then when we come back, uh, you wrote an article for this week uh, about the concerns around some tree cutting that's going to be happening uh, along this power line that's going through the middle of the county. Mm -hmm. So when we get back, we'll jump into that. Grace, there is nothing that I love more than lighthouses and state parks. Oh my gosh, no way, me too. I just wish that there was, I don't know, some sort of way that I could capture my love for those things in a physical way that maybe I could put on the wall or something. Well, you are in luck, my friend. If you visit DoorCountyPulse.com slash shop, you can find exactly those items. You mean we actually put together a series of state park posters and an incredible collection of lighthouses all in one piece of artwork that you can buy online? That we did, Andrew, that we did. I didn't know that we had an online shop. What else can I get there? You can also buy some Pulse stickers, Door County Living stickers. You can subscribe to Door County Living or the Peninsula Pulse if you are not in Door County. You can buy our annual door wedding guide. And you can also buy uh, lighthouse postcards if you do not want the full poster, but might want to add a little something something in your gift package. I'm looking at the shop right now and I just noticed that we have Peninsula Pulse hats with the dog logo logo and everything. Grace, I think I am sold. Where can I go to find all of this stuff one more time? www.doorcountypulse.com slash shop. 
Okay, we are back. So you wrote a story on clear cutting. Uh, I haven't had a chance to look into this at all. So from the beginning, why don't you explain to me what's going on? All right. So most power lines in the county run along highways and back roads and just along the major travel corridors. But locals in Door County will notice or anybody who owns property will probably have noticed that there is uh, an extra power line that runs like straight diagonally through northern Door County from Sturgeon Bay to Sister Bay. Uh, It goes of across a lot of farm fields doesn't follow the roads well that line's been there for a long time but now they have notified residents and property owners that they plan to instead of just doing the tree trimming that a lot of us are seeing alongside the highways for the last couple of years as wps has done some major pruning and as they've replaced all those power poles along the roads this American Transmission Company, which owns this power line, notified property owners that now they're going to go away from pruning and they are just going to cut down all trees within their 80 foot easement that they own along this entire 69 kilovolt power line that runs straight up the middle of the county. As you might guess, property owners have are pretty frustrated by this. Okay, so I can see a bunch of different perspectives on this. I think the first one being like clear cutting is controversial just in general. Uh, and then you've got the property owners who I I would guess that they don't really have their views. Like they, their views are kind of obstructed by the, by the, the, the growth there, right? They're not seeing a power line. They're seeing trees and stuff. Well, and now they, they're going to see a power line. Well, the power lines are pretty, they're visible. Like it, there, there's no, there's not a scenario where they're completely blocked because they've pruned and cut them. They actually take a helicopter with a massive blade that hangs down from the sky and they go along and just, it, it's, you could look up a video of this, look for like helicopter saw blade or something like that. And they go along the tree line and just cut with like a 15 to 20 foot blade that just is flown by a helicopter down below. Huh. Um, you don't want to work underneath that thing. Right. But, and they've done traditional trimming, pruning, like you see along the highways where they just have a, a lift truck and go up and cut down branches one by one. As you might guess, that gets expensive. Um, the, so this company is just looking at saving some money, saving some time, a lot of money and time in their case. And what they have proposed doing is instead of pruning all those trees, they're just going to cut them all down. And they're also asking property owners for permission to spray an herbicide to prevent any of those trees from growing back. For the property owners, even though they don't, they haven't had tall trees there for a long time, but a lot of them have planted smaller trees and then they prune them back. And I think they've been told, what what property owners told me is, in the past they were told they were fine at 15 feet. Then it was eight feet. And now, so in that intervening time over the years, some of these property owners have planted apple trees, peach trees, small low canopy trees, cedars, sumacs and prune them and kind of built their property around them some of these are commercial businesses i talked to dale of islet who owns a a small batch of cottages in egg harbor and his power line runs right through his property but he has a pretty successful business in part because he's planted these trees that shield surrounding properties from him and shield his property from the neighbors so it still has like a cozy feel when you're on the ground level now he's been told they're that even these bushes that are right next to the houses in the cabins, they're going to come in and they're going to be chopping them all down. Huh. How, so, how often do they have to prune? They say every five years or so. Um, I, would, I would guess that it works out to more like every eight or nine. The, it is pretty heavy-handed. And there's, I talked to Tony Polish, another property owner, who said some of these trees have been growing untouched for 20 to 30 years. They've never pruned them before, but now they're, and so they're sort of signature trees of his property. And now they're telling him they're going to 
come and cut them down, the property owner does not get compensated for these trees at all. They don't, that company doesn't come in and pay them for some sort of even nominal fee. The property owners also pay the taxes on this property, but so the power line company doesn't pay anything to do this. They're just maintaining the line. Huh. Maybe this is a silly question, but how, how does this even work? I mean, you've got, how do you put a power line on somebody else's property? They, this was done. I actually talked to Lewis Soans, who's owned a prop property in uh, the town of Gibraltar for decades. And it was actually around when they first got the, what the easement to do this back in 1963, they got it through eminent domain as companies and uh, utilities were trying to spread electric service to rural areas and they signed the easement and at the time they basically had to he said he tried to fight it because what what it does on his property is it bisects 40 acres of his land so any land under that power line he basically can't build a house you are limited by the trees you can plant things like that so he said it basically made six acres of my property unusable but it also since it bisects diagonally different land Nobody, he'd never be able to sell that land off to, because he said basically nobody wants to build a home next to a power line and then be restricted by what they can do on that property. So he's like, it made it useless, but there was nothing I could do. I talked to lawyers and they were going to take this by eminent domain. And I just had to take what little I could get, which in his case, he said he, he thought he got paid like thirteen or $1,400. What does that mean, eminent domain? Eminent domain is, a. I, I won't give you any like sort of legal standing sort of line here, but essentially what it means is government comes in and decides they can take it. And so the first example I heard of was when I was a little kid, my grandma had a house in the middle of Egg Harbor and they wanted to soften the main bend in the middle of the town by Door County Nature Works. And to do that, they needed to take part of her front yard and run the highway through her front yard a little bit. So what they would do is they they come up with ever, whatever they the compensation they feel is appropriate and they say we're taking this land it's a public public use demands it and the greater good demands it so we're going to pay you this one time fee and you lose that property that's kind of like the cartoon example of the the train tracks or the the highway through your living room kind of thing, right? Sure, yeah. And okay. they, that legitimately happens. Um, I mean, they literally do run train tracks right through people's property and just take the property. They've done that with highways historically. Entire neighborhoods in major cities have been displaced or cut in half by highways. In fact, uh, Mayor Richard Daly in Chicago basically boxed in the black community with how they designed highways so that they wouldn't cut up his Irish um, neighborhood and instead built all the highways to kind of him in the black neighborhoods. Really, really bad, uh, humane, inhumane decision. Right. Okay. So looking at this from the the other perspective, is this really a one-time fix for, for moving forward? Or is this something that they'd have to clear cut again or put herbicides down again in 20 years? Well, so the property owners I talked to all said, no way, you're not going to put herbicide on my property. Dale Violet was taking preemptive measures. He offered to the company to do the pruning himself and maintain it. And they said, no, we can't allow like a, just a late person to do this. He said, all right, I'll hire, I'll pay for a crew to come in here every five years and do it. They said, no, we're not, we won't do that. We only use our approved contractors. There's no leeway here. And I was told by many property owners that this company has historically been arrogant and rude and just doesn't bend when they decide something that this is how we're doing it. Our contract says we can. So this is how we're doing it. They're used to probably dealing in less in areas where people aren't as concerned with the environment or the trees or their property and not really dealing with as many commercial properties as they, they do in Door County. This is the same company that put, if you go through Sturgeon Bay, the massive rust-colored 
telephone poles along the highway. It's the same company that did that. And I remember when those went in, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I said, really, we're going to put these up at the, like right after you get over the bridge in Sturgeon Bay, your first welcome to Door County is going to be these massive rust colored industrial park looking power poles. And that's that's how they operate. They don't really, they're not thinking about the the greater good of the peninsula from a standpoint of what we live on, which is tourism and, our, and the views of our natural environment. So what what's next? What recourse do the property owners have? Well, Dale said he was going to stand in front of their trucks and not let them cut the trees down. He took some preemptive measures and just pruned his trees back in hopes that that will assuage these, this company. Um, other people told me, they're just like, we don't know what we can do. If they have the, the easement from 60 years ago, 70 years ago, I guess we're stuck. Huh. Yeah, it is kind of weird to think about how you own property, but I guess you also don't really own right. property. The government could come in and say like, well, I'm just taking it. And you're like, I don't want you to take it. Like, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And that's something they've they've done forever. And there are there are definitely uses for it that are legitimate. Uh, and that was one of the issues like right now in California, they're, they're as they've tried to build high speed rail. One of the things they've run into is how do we compensate all these people for their property where we're going to run this high speed rail track? It's a it's been one of the major hang ups that can take years and years and decades and decades. Actually, Foxconn in uh, southern Wisconsin is running into the same thing. There were people who were trying to hold out because they're they said, well, I just I just bought this house 10 years ago. I don't want to move for Foxconn. I want my house. And um, I, I think there's still a couple of holdouts in that area. That reminds me kind of like of the of Stuart Little, their house, how it, it started. They were the only house on the street. And then these big like skyscrapers moved in on either side of them. So now they're just like this little house in an alleyway. <laughs> yeah. It's that kind of thing where if you just hold on long enough, eventually they'll just build around you. Yeah. You see that in Chicago, walking around in the neighborhoods I used to live in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anything else for this week, Miles, before we wrap up? Do we have anything coming up that people should be aware of? Uh, there is one major thing that uh, I'll be at next week is the Egg Harbor Plant or Plant Commission public hearing for the residences at Egg Harbor that I would expect that will be a very well-attended meeting and a very hotly contested meeting. Yeah, this is the proposed condos uh, right in the middle of town where the gas station is, right? Right. Okay, if you want to hear more about that, we we did an episode on it a couple weeks ago and then... We also talked about it with Ryan Heiss, who's the village administrator for, for Egg Harbor. He had a really great perspective for it. Uh, so if you want to hear kind of both sides of the argument, that's a great place to start. Uh, and then if you, you, you know, you want to come in and have your voice heard, this is the place to do it, right? Yeah. So it's March 11th at the Crest Pavilion at noon. And that's going to be an opportunity for the public to weigh in on it. And I don't know, like sometimes a commission might make a decision that day. I'd imagine that if that project is approved, it will be approved with many specific conditions. I could also see them denying it. It, it does, it would exceed the square footage, depending on how you define the size of the property. If you include the parking lot, it, it, it's more than quadruple the allowable square footage for that parcel. If you don't include the parking lot, it would be about two and a half times the square footage. So uh, it also is asking for variances on the height requirement and also on green space and some small um, exceptions on the parking requirement. So there's a lot of things for the Village of Egg Harbor to discuss on that property. And um, there is also some people very concerned about the, not the existing gas station, the the, um, the mini mart part of it, but the stone building next to it right. is one of the older buildings in Egg Harbor, one of the more uh, well-known facades. And there are some people who um, would argue that they that should be saved. Well, I'm sure we will be covering uh, 
that meeting and what comes of it for the next couple of weeks to come. But I think that that's just about going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much, Miles, for chatting with me. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you for fighting through that cold, Andrew. I, I do some of my best performing when I'm under the weather. That was always the way that it was in school and college. Every time a show would open up, I would get deathly ill and then I'd just have to muscle my way through it. So well, great to job it today. Now. Thank you. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit DoorCountyPulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.